All right. It is so good to have with us this morning, as Pastor Mark said earlier, we have uh, the Reverend Todd Pratt and his lovely wife, Tammy Pratt, with us today, all the way from Sylvan Lake, Alberta, the epicenter of the province of Alberta. The only town with the, uh, a, a lake you can actually swim in in Alberta. Uh, and uh, we're so grateful that they're here with us today. I'm going to have Todd and Tammy uh, come on up here. As most of you know that uh, are, are watching, but uh, if you're not from uh, familiar with our house, Todd and Tammy Pastor here with us for how many years, Todd? 15 years. Let's put our hands together and welcome them back as they bring some greetings today. Woo! Yeah, you have to share. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Just an absolute delight to be here. Two things. One is, it was six years ago this weekend. That's right. Six years ago this weekend that we uh, trekked off to Sylvan Lake, Alberta. And uh, I just want to say our <clears throat> greetings are, it is great to be here and Emerge Church is going great. Hallelujah. In the midst of COVID, it is going great. <laughs> and I will say this, and you all have alluded to it. The bond of love is greater than anything else. That's right. That's Any right. Any obstacle. Hear me, church. The bond of love is greater than anything else. That's right. That's right. And uh, so we just rejoice. And your sister church, your sister work in Alberta, Emerge Church, love you. Amen. And we send our greetings to you, and it is an absolute delight to be here. And you have to watch your service first. Uh, granted, you have granted. to watch your service granted, first. first. Okay. But Sylvan Lake second. Okay. But after your service, you can watch Emerge Church AB on YouTube. Woo! Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's actually kind of Shameless cool to see our, yeah, to see our uh, son worshiping is incredible. Um, just uh, as Mark was up here saying, you know, um, just proclaiming yeses, and I got thinking, yeah, this, it's funny, uh, in my memories on Facebook, the page that came, the picture that came up was the picture of Todd and I actually landing in Sylvan Lake <laughs> six years ago this weekend. So very monumental uh, for us and uh, just God has been faithful. He's been good and uh, we are so grateful. We're grateful to be here visiting and uh, to come home and uh, and yet we are um, anticipating going home as well. So that is all good. And I just wanted to leave you uh, a verse which is my life verse and uh, just kept going over and over in my head this morning. And it's from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And maybe someone here needs to hear it. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah, that's right. And do not lean on your own understanding. All your thoughts that go on in your head, don't lean on those. Because right. they will sometimes lead you astray. But in all your ways, acknowledge Jesus. Yeah. Acknowledge him. Yeah, Keep right. looking forward. And that's he right. will direct your paths. Amen. He will give you straight paths. Amen. And I also thought of the song this morning, and I wanted to just speak this over you, and uh, because you are our extended family, and like Todd says, the bond of love, that yeah. love Amen. from, uh, is just, it, ex it goes beyond miles, it goes beyond time, 
And uh, when there is uh, that intimate love, there is no distance. And God is so gracious. So I want to just say to you, Desert Stream, that the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and give you all peace. Amen. 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 About that is no matter what happens in life, no matter what things come our way, no matter what struggles I'm up against, my identity never changes because it's secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So whose am I? I'm the Lord's. That's whose I am. Then we spent a few weeks talking about who am I? And our world gets confused. They find their identity in the answer to the question, who am I? Well, they, they might think I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm a carpenter, I'm this or I'm that. I'm tall, I'm short, I'm skinny, I'm, I'm, I'm handsome, I'm blonde, I'm, you know, I'm good looking, I'm, I'm, I'm a redhead, right, Mark? I'm, I'm all these different things. But you know what? Uh, those things are really not about your identity. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about who am I, we're actually talking about our purpose. And all of those character qualities and all of those things that you've learned and all of those skills that you've acquired or were born with are all there as part of your DNA so that you can fulfill the purpose that God has put you on earth for. So the answer to the question, who am I, is about purpose. It's about what has God put me on this earth to do and to accomplish and that is something that beautifully can change. So if you, you come to a stage where you find that, you know, I, 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 was a, I was a doctor, but you now I can't perform surgery anymore because of arthritis or whatever. And, and so you might say, if your identity is in that, you go, well, then who am I now? Well, the reality is, you know, your identity, if it's in Jesus Christ, doesn't change. Just you have to look and say, okay, God, now what's my new assignment? What's my new purpose? What is it that you have for me now. Amen? Am I making any sense to anybody? Praise the Lord. Well, uh, now we're going to move on this morning, and we're going to start talking about uh, the third question. To whom am I called? And that's kind of a, we just needed to get the, uh, you know, the who's who and to whom. And so sometimes that sounds a little awkward. We don't use the word whom very much in the English language anymore, even though it's still there. Uh, But the question, to whom am I called? In other words, to whom am I to lock my life with and do life with? That's really what the question is asking. To whom have I uh, been been, uh, called to align myself to, to walk in life with, to walk arm in arm with? This is the question that we're talking about this morning. And where whose I am is about identity and who I am is about purpose, uh, to whom am I called is about alignment. It's about how you have aligned your life. And I meet so many Christians that have wrestled down the fact that they know that they're the Lord's, right? And they've got some pretty good idea about their purpose in life and how God's gifted them and called them and all the rest of it. But when it comes to alignment, they're still out there drifting around in life. And they have not found the answer to this third important question. And yet, uh, this third question is just as important as the other two. You have to know the other two, I think, before you can really tackle this one. However, it, it, your life will not be fulfilled. It will not be complete unless you know the answer to this question. 
To whom am I called to do life with? To whom am I to align my life with? And this is the most practical of the three questions. Uh, it's, it's in the real world. It's, it's, it's everyday world stuff. It's connected and context. It's, it's about how I walk out my life with respect to other people. Because, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, we are connected to other people, right? You're connected to other people. And, uh, you know, for example, if you're married, you're connected to your spouse. You belong to your spouse, right? Everybody understand what I'm saying? You know, uh, husbands, the Bible says, love your, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5. Uh, you know, we say at our church, choose your love, but then love your choice, right? So there's a connectedness that takes place in marriage. You know, as, as frustrated as Sherry might get with me some days, she, she's not at liberty to say, get, go on. Because she, she chose her love, now she's got to love her choice. You know what I'm saying? And we are connected through thick and thin. There's a connectedness there in the marriage relationship that you can't get away from. You know, then we talk about the fact that we're connected to our children. You belong to your children and your children belong to you, right? Uh, you belong to your friends. Pastor Mark preached an excellent message, uh, I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, and, and it was answering the question, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question was, yes, you are. You know, we quote that from scripture as if somehow it's a defense for my behavior of not caring about somebody else, not realizing that it was a, it was a, a question asked by a man who'd murdered his brother. Do you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and he's not somebody from which you should get good advice. Anybody hear me? So when the Bible asks that question, my, my brother's keeper, the answer is yes, you are. You are to look out for your brother. Paul talks about it throughout the scripture in the New Testament, about having deference or preferring others above ourselves. We are to care for one another in the body of Christ. So you're, you, know, you're to, you belong to your friends, you belong to your church, you're a part of the family of God, wrinkles and all. And these are the important connections that are in our life. And, and we can talk about them from a number of perspectives, but I want to talk about them primarily over the next few weeks from uh, the spiritual connection that we have uh, in our lives in terms of relationship. And everything that I say pretty much applies in um, our emotional and our relational connections, but there's a spiritual dimension to it that we often miss, and we don't realize how vitally important it is uh, to be able to answer this question of whom am I called to do my spiritual journey with, my spiritual life, my faith journey with? How has God connected me? To whom has he connected me to do that? The Bible... <clears throat> paints a picture in the scripture. And I was thinking about this the other day. Mark and I had coffee Thursday morning and I, I shared it with him Thursday morning I, that I'd been, it was either Thursday or Wednesday, I'd been reading this in the scripture and, and dwelling on, on this question, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, to whom am I called to do life? And looking at that question. And I got this picture that, you know, the Bible talks about us being uh, protected on all sides. Uh, it uses words, uh, you know, like, um, uh, you know, how we're, we're connected. We're, we have a protection. We are under God's shadow. We have uh, people all surrounding us. We're in, in count, what is it, surrounded, the Bible says in Hebrews, by a full cloud of witnesses. It uses this language all the time. And it talks about how we're protected. And the truth of the matter is, we tend to spiritualize that. We tend to 
look at that as though the angels of the Lord are before me, behind me, around me, and, and, and that's all true. But we, we miss the fact that this, when the Bible talks about, you know, that protection that we have, it uses very practical examples as well. The examples of relationship, of people, of uh, spiritual connections with skin on. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? And it uses that kind of language. Uh, there's multiple references to the truth that we are covered by those that we do life with. We are protected, we are surrounded by those we do life with. The truth the Bible reinforces, and we often ignore it, is that I not only survive, but I thrive when I acknowledge my connectedness with one another in the body of Christ. I thrive when I acknowledge and live in that connectedness. So how does that work out? Every believer, everybody say every believer. Every believer, say it again. How many believers? Every believer needs a spiritual father or mother. Every believer needs sisters and brothers or friends. And every believer needs to have sons and daughters spiritually. Now everybody say every believer. Every believer needs us. Why do we need a spiritual father? Our father goes in front of us. Our father walks ahead of us. Our father goes before us and clears the path for us so that our journey is easier, so that our journey is not filled with as many things that we didn't see coming, right? Our sides are covered by our brothers and sisters and friends in the body of Christ. Those who walk with us, those who have dedicated themselves in friendship to us. And our back is covered by our sons, those who are following our example, that are committed to our path, who are willing to, to get in our wake and to tuck in behind and to learn and to glean everything that they can from our life and from our experience. This is the way that our lives were meant to be protected. This is why we can't exist as Lone Ranger Christians. Amen? If you're a Lone Ranger Christian, then you're exposed you're vulnerable. You're open to attack from the enemy. And the reason we lose so many believers along the way in the journey of life is because they are aligned to no one. They don't have alignment in their life with any other people. They don't have a spiritual father. They don't have spiritual brothers and sisters. And they don't have any spiritual sons or daughters. And when they drop off the map, right? Nobody notices and nobody cares. Oh, pastor, that was harsh. I'm sure people care. Well, people will care if you're connected to them, but this life is busy. This life is fast paced and without relational connection. It's not that they don't have any empathy or they don't have any compassion, but you're not on the radar screen and it looks like they don't care. They probably do, but we don't experience, we don't feel it because we didn't have any alignments in our life that were there to preserve our walk with Christ. Am I making any sense to anybody here this morning? When somebody is picked off, somebody walks that Lone Ranger life is picked off, it's because they have no father going before them. So they stumble on the path of life, not seeing the dangers that were in front of them. 
Or when they fall, they have no one beside them, no one who can grab them by the arms, no one who's close enough to pick them up, no one who can shake them off, dust them off, tell them it's going to be okay, give them a hug and help them get back on the path again. And they have no spiritual children. Nobody who's actually relying on them, counting on them, uh, even drawing from them. And when they don't have that, then they say, well, if, if I wasn't here, nobody would be any the worse off anyway. And yet we all need people who are drawing on us so that it compels us to deep, dig deeper in with the Lord because we've got to have something to give. Someone's drawing on us, so I got to give them something. One of the things that helps me in my journey is I have spiritual sons that are drawing on me and they're, and they're wanting to know something. They're wanting to know an answer to this question or that question. And they're, 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 want, they're hungry for truth and they're hungry for relationship. And so it keeps me on my toes, keeps me focused, keeps me engaged. And it also says to me, you don't want to mess up because it would affect all those sons. Are you hearing me this morning? Do you see how God designed us to have those relationships all around us in front, beside, and behind. And yet we rarely ever talk about it in the body of Christ. And when we get practical like this, people get all nervous. Is the pastor going to start assigning people to me? You know, are we going to start a multi-level marketing campaign? Do I have to have my own downline? Uh, you know, whose downline am I under? And uh, this is not, everybody say, this is not, about structure. It's about relationship. Hello. My goodness. And you know, it's not that churches haven't tried to turn it into a structure. Oh, if, we can, if we can monetize, customize, uh, you know, put things into a box in our Western culture, we do it every time. And yet the, the undeniable truth about this is that it is not something you can put in a box. It is not something that we can, uh, you know, turn into a system. It's about relationship. And the greatest problem in Western Christianity is our profound lack of our understanding of our need for spiritual fathers, brothers, sisters, and sons. Our profound lack of our understanding of that. You know? I meet people that, you know, say to me, well, you know, pastor, I'm retired now. You know, I've done all that stuff in the church. You know, I'm in retirement mode now, so there's really not that much for me to do. Really? What about your sons? At what point do you ever stop living as a father or a mother in the kingdom of God. I didn't cease to be my kid's physical father just because they got older and got married. No, we're still involved in their lives. We're still encouraging, helping, doing everything we can as a father and a mother to make their path as smooth as possible. That never stops. So what, does it stop spiritually either? No. The beautiful thing is if we can understand this this, you know, relational surrounding that we have in our life, then we never, ever, ever in our, in our Christian journey come to a place of obsolescence. Never do we ever get to a place of obsolescence. We always have purpose. We all, everybody say purpose. We always have purpose because we always have a place in the family 
of God. Amen? But what's the thing we're up against? It's called individualism. Individualism. The problem that we're facing, especially in our North American culture, uh, is individualism. You know, when it comes to answering that question, who has is, who is God, you know, asked you to hit your wagon to, connect your heart to, uh, live in submission with, or, you know, to give to the, the keys of your heart to? Our problem in our Western culture, and, it's, and it's, the problem is it's also one of our greatest success, I should say, producing attributes, but it's the thing that keeps us uh, away from success in the kingdom is our individualism. It might, it might cause, you know, to create a company and a great product like an Apple computer, but it doesn't really hold much weight in the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. And, you know, we are a culture of eyes and not a culture of we's. And uh, granted, this is a greater issue south of the border. We're even seeing it right now in, in the, you know, this pandemic situation where trying to tell Americans that, that they have to wear a mask and they have to do this and they have to do that. You're getting a lot more pushback in the United States than you get in Canada because the United States, they're like, they, they built that country on my rights and you're not going to tell me what to do. Hello? And, and that may make a strong you know, nation and build a, 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 you know, a, a good national identity that way of individualism, but in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work because we're all walking in subjection to the king. This is a divine monarchy, not a democracy. Hello? We are in a divine demo, uh, mean monarchy. We're not in a spiritual democracy. And that's hard for some people to, to take, and they want to bring all of their de democratic individualistic thinking and even bring it into the church and they want to create church boards and systems that all operate like they operate in the world and that's not how the kingdom of God functions. The kingdom of God functions by relationship. Hello? Anybody hearing me this morning? Praise the Lord. What this produces, this individualistic ideology produces an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit. The orphan spirit is a profound problem in our culture today. It is advanced by a sense of independence and a stat that establishes our personal worth on our ability to stand on our own two feet. You can't stand on your own two feet. People tell you you're, you're not really worth anything. Really. It's promoted further by the idea that you're not an adult until you leave home and you make it on your own. And, you, you know, we laugh, but... This is reinforced every day by you'll see, you know, young, young families now and the person will say, I don't want to do any adulting today because they realize that adulting is taking the bull by the horn and doing those things that re are required of us as an adult. And so I don't want to do any adulting today, right? And it's completed by a society that affirms the role models and hear this this morning, especially you men, it affirms as role models men who manage to avoid commitment and remain in play as long as possible. Oh, that's not true, Pastor. Really? James Bond. Every guy, it's like James Bond is the epitome of manliness. James Bond is a man's man. 
James Bond is a man who committed to no one, has no personal relationships in his life, doesn't know how to do relationship, and treats women as sexual objects. He's not a man, he's a boy that just never grew up. He's a pimple-faced adolescent boy with a gun. Hello? That's who he is. It's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> you know, in the James Bond movie Skyfall, 007's boss, known by the moniker M, right, looks at Bond and exposes a striking strategy of the British Secret Service when she reminds Bond of his own childhood and then she coldly declares, orphans make the best recruits. Orphans make the best recruits. Men all over the world idolize Bond, but the secret's out, guys. Bond, for all of his strength and all of his suave, was recruited because when it came to the detachment from relationships that the job required, orphans made the best recruits. He was brought in because he was dysfunctional in relationship. He was picked for the job because he didn't know how to do relationship. Are you hearing me this morning? Unfortunately, you don't have to be a physical orphan to have an orphan spirit. And our idea of rugged individualism in North America has created millions and millions of orphan spirits. We are a society filled with people that don't know how to do relationships. And unfortunately, it exists in the church. We're better at making it look good, dressing it up. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, sister? Oh, I'm good. You know? And we're better at wearing the, 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 the cloak of function, but many times underneath if you peel back the curtain, if you get rid of the veneer, there's just as much dysfunction because orphan spirit's never been dealt with. Never been dealt with. And how do you know it's not been dealt with? Because you start talking to the person, well, who's your spiritual father? Uh, um, I mean, you have no one that has discipled you, poured into you, fathered you in the kingdom? Ding, 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 ding. Orphan, 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 orphan. Right? Then you say, well, who are your, who, who, who are your spiritual brothers and sisters that you, that, you know, that you live your life in a, in a measure of accountability with? Uh, 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 well, I play hockey with Mark. Oh, that's, that's, you think that's what I'm talking about? Then you say the third question. So who are, your, who are your spiritual sons and daughters? Who's drawing from you spiritually? Uh, uh, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the recurring uh, theme here? Uh, orphan. <laughs> uh, orphan. That's what we have. An orphan culture in the church. How do you know it's an orphan culture? Because you have no answer to those questions. You're not living a life of spiritual connectedness. Somebody who's gone before, somebody who's beside you, and somebody who's drawing on you from behind. (sighs) 
John chapter 17. I want to read some verses here for you before I close out this morning. I got a lot more than I can say in the next five minutes, so I'm going to have to boogie. John chapter 17 says this, beginning at verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished. Everybody say finished. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. He's speaking to the Father. I've finished the work that you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. I have manifested your name to the men you have given to me out of this world. I won't read the rest of the passage. There's quite some good nuggets in there. But Jesus said, I've finished the work which you have given for me to do. Now, Jesus hadn't went to the cross yet. Jesus hadn't died for your sins yet. Uh, Jesus hadn't rose from the dead yet. And yet he says, I finished the work that you called for me to do. I finished it. And then he says, next breath, I've manifested your name to the men you've given to me out of the world. What was this completed work? I manifested your name to the ones you gave me out of this world. What was Jesus' work? It was to make the Father known to the disciples. It was to show them the Father. And he completed his work. It was done. He was finished. I've completed the work that you gave me to do. A work-obsessed orphan culture is always asking, Lord, what have you got for me to do? You know, another way we expose our orphan spirit in the church. I've got to have a job. If my talents aren't being used, if my gifts aren't being used... Then, then you don't love me, or I'm not, or Jesus, you don't care about me. It's, you know, because I got to be using my gifts. I got to be using my talents. And we forget that, no, no, no. Identity comes from whose I am. So it's relationship first. Relationship first. And Jesus, his work was to reveal the Father to the Son, to his sons. But we're obsessed with productivity, with mission, with task. I hear church pastors' conferences talk about it all the time. Got to be more missional. You know, that's the new buzzword, right? Missional. You got to be missional. Everything's missional, missional, missional. 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 I hear from people that have never actually been to another foreign country in their life, but they're being missional. You know, Paul's missionary journeys were going to other countries. How about we be relational before we worry about being missional? relational, relational, relationship with the Father, relationship with the Son, relationship with my brothers and sisters and my own spiritual sons. Relational is what God's looking for. Jesus had completed his work. He had manifested the Father to the ones that he'd given him. Now, here's the beautiful part. Jesus' work was finished, but his influence was just beginning. Think about that. His work was finished, but his influence was just beginning. His influence was just beginning. What is our work? What is your work as a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, there's three answers to that. Your answer, uh, your work is this. First of all, your work is to be a good spiritual son. You need somebody in your life that you 
are being fathered by or mothered by. You need somebody who's pouring into you spiritually, challenging you, poking you, prodding you, pushing you, expecting more of you, calling you higher up and further in. You need that in your life. You absolutely need it in your life. Now that you may be blessed that that is your physical father and mother. That's great. That's great. But in your mind, you need to proactively recognize that they're not just my physical mom and dad, they're my spiritual mom and dad. And so in your adulthood, you don't all of a sudden become independent. No, no, no. You are interdependent and you are still drawing on that well. All of your life, you'll be drawing on that well. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? We all, everybody say all. all. We all need somebody in our life that we've taken the keys of our heart to and given it to them and said, you can ask me anything and I will do my best to reveal to you everything. We need that. Everything. You have to have that in your life. Because you know what the Bible says? It's, it's only the things that remain in darkness that have the power to destroy us. But when they're exposed to the light, bam, what does that mean? Does that mean you should take out a, uh, a Facebook page and tell the whole world what your sins are? No! No, 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 no! A thousand times no. What you should do is expose it to the light of a spiritual father or mother. That's who you expose it to. Let the light of that person shine upon that area in your life so that you can be healed and you can be restored. Too often we focus only on preaching and witnessing, praying for the sick and casting out our demons and all the rest of it and forgetting that Jesus asked us instead to go out and to make disciples. In other words, you know, to reproduce sons. He was, even, even, even the relationship of the Godhead is family, is father, son, Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me this morning? So we, need, we all need to live as a good spiritual son. The second thing we need to do is we need to have, join hands with brothers and sisters in the bond of friendship. Now we're not going to give them the, you know, the key maybe to every part that a father or mother has, but we're still going to give them a lot of access to our life. They need to have that because we need them to be able to pick us up when we fall down, right? So they need to know where we're going and what, what our life is about. We need to live in relationship and community with them. We need to spend time with them. Hello? And then everybody needs to be a good spiritual father or mother. You need to be one as well. You need to be under one, but you need to be one. Now, this may not come until later in life, you know, because it takes, it takes some maturity. You don't become a physical father, hopefully, until you're in your 20s, right? You don't become a spiritual mother, and, I mean, a physical mother, and, until hopefully again, you know, you're, you've, you've passed, uh, you know, high school, and you're, you're moving forward. Do you know what I'm saying? And then, and then when you do become a parent, there, there was no owner's manual that came with it, right? So this thing, you know, all of a sudden put in your hands, you go, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now, right? And so there, there's, some, there's some learning, right? There's some... some understanding has got to take place. And it's the same thing spiritually. So if you, if you don't have any spiritual uh, sons or daughters yet, and you've only been a Christian a, a few years, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. That may take some, some time. But it'll come when you become a spiritual son or daughter yourself to a father. And then you have these friends around you and you'll get reinforced and then you'll be able to 
pick up sons and daughters of your own and begin to care for them. I'm going to stop right there because it's already 25 after 11. And this topic is so rich. There is just so much that we have to talk about here. Um, because this is infinitely practical people. This is rubber meets the road Christianity. And if you want to know what has held us together as a pastoral staff over all these years, how we're able to honor one another, love one another, is because behind the scenes, we don't necessarily get to talk about this all the time, but behind the scenes, this stuff is working in our lives. Uh, have we worked it out perfectly? No, not yet. But we're being perfected. We're being perfected. We... We have spiritual fathers in our lives. We have friends that we are vulnerable to and open to. We have spiritual sons that are drawing on us. We live out our faith in a relational dynamic. We resist creating structures and boxes and stuff to put Jesus in and all of his followers into. And it's, it sometimes doesn't produce the quantity at the speed we'd like, but it produces a quality that is irrefutable. I said it doesn't produce always the quantity that we would like to see, but it produces a quality that is irrefutable. And if we can get each of you able to see this in your own life and live it as well, the quality eventually supersedes the quantity. And the growth is exponential. Stand with me again this morning. This might be some of the most important stuff you're going to hear all year. Um, it's probably not the most animated I'll be in preaching. Uh, you know, <laughs> because it's so practical that... Uh, you know, and it's hitting such practical aspects of our life that, you know, it, it may be not one of those showing up and jump up and down, shout hallelujah type messages. But man, do we need this in our life. <laughs> we need this in our life. And if we can get this in our life, we can spare ourselves and our children and our children's children, a lifetime of regret, heartache, pain, loneliness. Are you hearing me? Because the kingdom of God is about relationship. It's family. It's fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. That's what it is. Father, we just thank you today for the truth that is in your scripture. Thank you that Father Jesus had completed his work that you gave him to do before he even went to the cross. And it was to manifest your personhood, your nature to his disciples, to his sons. And Father, that they were able then, when Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for their sins, they were easily able to slip into carrying that to the world because they had already had the Father revealed to them by the Son. Lord, we pray today that you would help each and every one of us grasp the fact that, Lord, we, we too, each of us, has a job 
and that is to manifest the Father to our sons. And we do that by being under a father ourselves, walking with brothers and sisters, and discipling sons in the kingdom of God. Father, help us to get a hold of this, to, to Lord, uh, realize and recognize how core this is to the message of the kingdom of God. And that, Father, we would run toward it, not away from it. We would embrace it, not reject it. We would recognize that, God, my future is connected to those that you've called me to walk in alignment with. And when I do it, my life and those around me will benefit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for watching today online and being with us. Thanks to all the people here this morning in person. Uh, Don't forget uh, to be here again next week. It's going to be an awesome time together. You don't want to miss out on it. And uh, we are so grateful you could be here today. Bless you and have an amazing week in Jesus Christ. Don't forget, you can click on the link below uh, today to get involved in the Zoom chat right now. Pastor Mark is there waiting to minister to you, answer your questions, dialogue with you about today's message. You can do that just by clicking on the Zoom chat and getting into that room with Pastor Mark and having a chat today and be blessed. Be encouraged. Amen. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you receive something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We